By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to The Next Generation. I'm Victoria Cece. Join me as we chat with young Italian wine people shaking up the wine scene. We're going to geek out on a grape or grape fam, then hear about all the wild wine things our guests have been up to, from vineyard experiments to their favorite wine bars. Hey guys, it's Sunday. You know what that means. You're here sitting with me, Victoria, Cece. Cece is my last name in American pronunciation. I did it for the rhyme. But welcome back to the next generation. Today, we have the loveliest Lisa Savarino of Tenuta La Novella. But before we get to chatting with this really exciting winemaker, we are going to talk about the grapes as usual. And I have some fun facts about a sweet little grape baby named Canaolo Nero. And I believe we may have spoken a bit about Canaolo Nero in the past. I wanted to give you the lowdown from the fresh off the press pages of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 book, because we've got some fun facts in here that you should know about this grape. This indigenous grape to Tuscany, Lisa Savarino, our guest, is a winemaker in Tuscany. Just goes well. Perfect. Let's go. So Canaiolo Nero, as I said, it's found mainly in Tuscany and actually used to be the leading grape in Chianti wines until the 16th century. And then it started to pretty quickly lose favor among winemakers because it doesn't grab well onto new rootstock, which was a problem when the phylloxera outbreak came about and destroyed a ton of vineyards. Now, going to the name, Canaiolo Nero most likely derives from Rosa Canina, the fragrance of the dogwood rose. Oh, it's so sweet. Or possibly from the dog days of August, the Dies Caniculares. That's my Latin for you. Let's move on. Now, today, Canaiolo Nero is blended into wines with Sangiovese, like Chianti Classico and Vino Nobile, etc., etc. Um, it enhances the floral and red berry character that makes these wines with Sangiovese among the best food pairing partners in Italy. So it looks like, you know, Sangiovese is the Batman and Canaiolo Nero is the Robin. On its own, Canaiolo Nero has a bit of balsamic spice on the nose as well as red berry, sour cherry, and saline notes. Has light to medium tannins with complementary acidity, medium complexity, and while most modern varietal bottlings will be wines to drink early, those bundle of Santo Vese wines can age worthy. Okay, we knew that. I gave that away with Chianti Classico, not to hurry it up. But those are the facts about Canaiolo Nero straight off the pages of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 book, which you can get and hold in your hands 
and cuddle with while you sleep and absorb all the great knowledge. Or you could just listen to me, or both. Anyways, now it's time to bring on our guest, Lisa Saverino. Drumroll. Ciao, Lisa. How's it going? Ciao. I'm good. You? I'm surviving. I'm living. <laughs> so are you in, in, in uh, where are you right now? Because I know you, you live in Greve in Chianti? Not really Greve. Uh, it's called uh, San Paul in Chianti. Ah. It's, quite, it's quite close to Greve, but it's not really Greve. How's it been going there? How's pruning? There's a lot. You're, you're much busier than I, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, everyone is tired and uh, we are going through pruning. And I'll like it for for a few days now, and hopefully the frost has stopped. So right now, in the on the morning is a there's a little bit of sun, and uh, it's it, it's it's pretty cool to to be in the vineyard with the with the heat and the and the sun. It's not really cool for the for the vine. Unfortunately, well, it sounds a lot cooler than sitting inside an office. I rather rather be <laughs> in the vines. Don't tell my boss that, though. <laughs> but I do want to say something before we <laughs> start any kind of crazy questions. I am obsessed with your dog. Your dog is the cutest. Oh, Dusky. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's she's very cool, and she is she's so kind. And it, it was very hard at the beginning because she's like a wolf. <laughs> and I was not really prepared uh, of having a wolf like a dog. <laughs> and uh, she tends to be very, very cool. And she, she follows me uh, every day in the vineyard on the cellar. Does not matter. She follows. Well, that's so precious. And what's her name again? Diana, like the princess. Ah, okay. I was about to ask. I was like, okay, the princess. I love uh, it, it was like it, it was because of the of the goddess of the the, the Latin goddess mm-hmm. Diana. I was not thinking about uh, the the Lady D, the, the English princess. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, did she name her after Princess no. Diana or did she <laughs> n- name her after Diana? And I was thinking the latter because of like your whole job and your life. But I, I didn't know you could be a huge Princess Diana <laughs> fan. I don't know. Oh my gosh, that's so precious. So it's so cool to have you on here. And for everyone to know, Lisa has a pretty cool upbringing. You grew up between Calabria in other parts of southern Italy, in Paris. Yeah, right. That's incredible. Can you kind of dive a bit into that? Is your I can only imagine, like, your accent and things probably gets all crazy in, in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, I've got the, the French accent. It's very hard to, to, leave, to leave behind the, the French accent. <laughs> so what was it like growing up? Like, can you tell us more about that? I'm... I'm really fascinated actually uh, my shrink found me a switch personality <laughs> since the beginning i'm just joking <laughs> oh my god i was like wait a minute <laughs> no i'm kidding are you talking to diana now <laughs> <laughs> um it, it it was not easy i felt like i never belonged uh, i have this uh, intellectual side that uh, appeals to paris but uh part of me uh like Live with the jeep and uh, and the dog, and uh, sleep in the middle of the forest. That didn't fit with the city of Paris. Oh yeah, there's not much parking. Not really. 
So did you spend most of your childhood in Paris or? I spent uh, most of the childhood in, in Paris. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the first year we were in uh, Calabria and, uh, and I finished uh, high school in Paris. When after that, I went to Australia for one year. And, and so what ended up leading you back to Italy, more precisely Tuscany? Uh, for t- Tuscany, it was uh, during the summer 2021. I was on a road trip between Calabria, Campania, Toscana and Emilia-Romagna just before returning to Piedmont. And I just felt in love with Tuscany. It, it had everything to please me. Um, vineyards in the middle of the woods, sea, mountain. It is a land very complex. And you found the perfect spot to park your car with your dog. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> She's like, that was the only reason I chose Tuscany. I found the best spot. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So I I probably should tell the guests, the listeners. So Lisa is um, French-Italian, if you couldn't tell from her accent and the story she just told us. <laughs> Which is so funny. And like, I, I know this is probably a really annoying question to ask, but do you feel more French or Italian? And answer this however you want. <laughs> Je suis française à 200%. Oh, wow. She, she, she's uh, saying she's more French on the Italian wine podcast, everyone. <laughs> Love it. Do you travel to France often? I'm trying to, to go back to Paris at least two, two three times uh, a year, at least. Uh, so it would be it would probably be one time every three, four months. Oh, okay, so it's like all your family and your like lovers all in in France and then like your work life is in Italy <laughs> I've got my <laughs> no I've, I've still got my mom in Paris oh that's so wonderful and it's not too far like for me you know I'm, I'm Italian American so my my majority of my family is in America so it I it's it's nice when you don't have to travel too far you know? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, that's super cool. So you you work with Tenuta Novella, and then you have Podere Il Risalso, and I'm assuming that is your your own wine project, right? Exactly. So quickly, can you give us the day in the life of Lisa Saverino? What's going on? Two projects and a dog. <laughs> so the day in the life of Lisa would be... And in the morning, Diana, my husky, comes to lick my hand, so I have to get up. I take the time to have breakfast because uh, it's very important. We have a physical day. Usually we have, we have a physical day at Tenutana Novella. And uh, manage uh, the administration, reply some text and a good work in Yardo Cellar, quick lunch break. The late afternoon is where my second day begins. I dedicate a few hours to my studies. Like I just finished studying herbalism and I studied to study agronomy. And uh, I read a lot, of, a lot of books. Recently, I became passionate about biodynamic beekeeping. I'm going crazy for bees, really crazy. And um, and often I fall asleep around 10 p.m. Just I would never have believed it at 31 years old. Oh, I feel you. I'm I'm also a student too, and it's like it gets around 9:30, and I'm like, 
is it 12? And then I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, I swear to God, I did I turn 60 today? Like, <laughs> um, but first of all, incredible. So you work at a winery, you have your own wine project. You're also a student, yeah. former student and current student. Wow. And herbalism, biodynamic beekeeping. Okay. Two really cool topics. Which road are we going to go down? Well, first of all, what led you into herbalism? I just uh, I think that herbalism is um, it's a different way uh, to approach uh, biodynamic. It's a very original way, and uh, and it's uh, it, it it helps you to understand uh, which plant is uh, is useful uh, to cure the the vine. And that's it. That that was the the main uh, subject for the for the study. And is there anything like? Are there any like secrets you discovered, or anything really surprising you found out through your studies? Yeah, uh, just I found some uh, little trips, probably for the beekeeping, not for the the viticulture. For the beekeeping, it was very useful. How so? I I mean I I I know. A, a good lot about biodynamics, but biodynamic beekeeping. I need to know more. <laughs> Just imagine that you can help and care for bees with plants. Um, the idea, the whole idea is to give them a boost, not to deprive them of uh, all their honey, which is essential for their survival. For example, I only take what is necessary for, my, for me. I just take the the honey for me and and leave all the rest for the bees okay so so did you study the biodynamic beekeeping was was that like a course you did there there was like a, um, a little course but uh, most of it uh, i read a lot of books about beekeeping and uh, and th- there is one book uh, that surprised me. Actually, it was the it, it is the sound of uh, Maya Thun. She, she is like the, the mother of biodynamic. And uh, and the son wrote a, a book about biodynamic beekeeping. It was very very interesting. Okay, that's no super fascinating. I know that 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 line of honey, the Maya Thun. They are they considered nomadic beekeepers? Is that the term they use as well? Yep, it could be it could be the term. Okay, that's oh, that's fascinating. Well, um, super cool. So you're a very, very, very busy gal. It's very impressive. And do you have like any secret to keeping it all together besides going to bed at 10 p.m.? <laughs> Just sleep, uh, sleeping up. <laughs> <laughs> Except when harvest rolls around. Then it's sleep if you can. <laughs> yeah, but with the with the harvest, I just I managed to have uh, at least uh, seven hours of sleep. It's it's important because uh, y- you have to you have to get up. <laughs> I can't sleep uh, at least seven hours. I'm just like no, I can't get up. That's when you know you're still thirty one. <laughs> you're still young. <laughs> like, I need to stay in bed. <laughs> But to go back to the biodynamic discussion, what is your opinion on biodynamics, biodynamic winemaking in Italy currently? I think there are those who don't consider it at all, those who take advantage to make it trendy, and those who don't know how to go about it. And for me, it's not just 
whole menu, it's a whole uh, philosophy of life. It applies to every culture, not just viticulture. That's that's super true. It's not something that's like a word you just attach to a wine or whatnot. Like it's it's a whole holistic practice because if you know if you're maintaining a vineyard and you want to keep it as holistic as possible, you have a certain amount of biodiversity around. So those you know. It would it would apply to everything. Did you, with your new vineyard project, was that something that you planted yourself and started practicing biodynamics, or was it an already existing vineyard? Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. No, it, it was very... We, we started with uh, the Volterra project a, a few months ago, and we just planted the, the vineyard. And I had in, in my mind the, the biodynamic thing. And, you know, when, when you work for yourself, you, you just forget to cancel the hours. And uh, with this project, it, it meets my expectation in terms of uh, sustainable development and, uh, and also winemaking style. It's 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 your own baby. <laughs> so now you have you have two babies. You have your dog, and then you have your vineyard. <laughs> yes. So that's an incredible amount of work, especially for your age. It's super impressive. And to go on that biodynamics discussion of you know the just applying it to different things, it's always refreshing to talk to someone who's really dedicated to it. And we don't have to you know throw it to we don't have to hate on anyone, but <laughs> it's always something that comes up in the industry. But to turn a little bit away from the the vineyard talk, because you deal with vineyards all day and grapes all day, what do you what do you do for fun, Lisa? Like, what do you what 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 do you do when you're outside when you're not in the forest? I know you you like to hang in the forest, but outside or <laughs> do you invite people to hang out in the forest? Do you have forest parties? No, no, I just um, oh, gosh, I, I remember I brought some friends in the forest last year. It was like eleven o'clock. Uh, or probably midnight, and, and they were so afraid. So I, I just thought to myself, "No, <laughs> it won't happen anymore." <laughs> I do, I do surf, I go fish, I go fishing. I spend all probably I will spend all my time in the in the nature. It's uh, it's 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 a kind of a thing. <laughs> I have to, I have to be outside. I just, I just cannot be inside unless it would be probably for reading a book or eating, sleeping, just have to be outside. Yeah. And you, it's like, if you're going to be outside, you're going to be in a beautiful place, which you chose well. Um, but I, yeah, I could not imagine trying to like handle a bunch of friends in the forest drinking. I would have insane anxiety because I love to be outside too, but there's a difference between being outside alone with your dog and outside alone with <laughs> people who are drunk. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's super cool. Where do you go fishing? Are there secret fishing spots in Tuscany? Uh, there is a spot called Marina di Bibona. It's close to Bulgari. If you, if you know the, the area of uh, Bulgari, uh, close, to the, close to the sea in the Tuscan Tuscan seashore. So it's a very pretty pretty spot. 
for surfing also. I've, I haven't gone fishing in a long time, but you might have inspired me to because um, I love the sea. Like you love the forest. I love the sea. So that that I, I'm totally going to find that spot one day when I learn how to fish. But would fishing. So if I were to come or, you know, some Italian wine loving person would to come visit you do you have like an itinerary or what it what it would be like and would we go fishing <laughs> uh think i'll probably take you for uh, a picnic in the vineyard oh i would love to to take you uh for a trip to volterra so you could visit the the medieval city she's uh, very pretty and uh, we do have some sheep so if you uh, enjoy to hear sheep uh, or you'd like to, to, to try <laughs> would be very uh, funny and uh, probably we we, we we go pick some picking some blackberries to make jam if you like jam oh I, I love jam this this whole day sounds like out of a book you had me at take me on a picnic <laughs> <laughs> and and everything we would do would be outside which all here for. I think it's really refreshing speaking to you and also for listeners because I think you represent a really beautiful and and um you know beautiful future of Tuscany in the sense that it you know it's you're obviously you are not going to give a a touristic perspective of Tuscany rather show showcase the nature of a very popular region, you know. So instead of going to some swanky silly resort or something, it's like Go hang out with someone like like Lisa, who is is going to show you the actual beauty of Tuscany. You know, and uh, I would be glad to. I would be glad. I would be glad to take you for for tour. This kind of thing that we we, we can do in in Tuscany, it's a nature thing. Of, but um, I would be glad. Don't ask me to bring you to uh, Florence. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. I did not ask you to go to Florence. Do you not like Florence? No, I like I like Florence, but um, Florence is a. Uh, this is the the best uh, way to uh, have some drinks with friends, get dinner or get lunch. Uh, because it's super easy. It's it's close. There are so many restaurants, but uh, this is not really the the Tuscany I know. So probably I, I won't bring you to Florence. That is that is not a problem. Also, there's many people that don't know Florence is in Tuscany. So, you know, we could just pretend it doesn't exist altogether. Just kidding. <laughs> Super cool. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for chatting today. Um, I know you've had a busy long day, so I think we both need to go to bed, probably. <laughs> It's it's eight o'clock. <laughs> a little bit soon. <laughs> For real. But yeah, so Lisa uh, Saverino, everyone, Tenuta Novella, Podere Il Risalso. So lovely to have you. And you can find her on Instagram, all the things. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for having me. As always, a big grazie for hanging out with me today. Remember, you can catch me every Sunday on the Italian Wine Podcast, available anywhere you can get your pods.